On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group goes back to the desert island, 1977 style. Hi and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands, album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair and on this episode of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my very good friends Paul Zotter and Ken Gregory as we revisit the concept of the progressive rock desert island, this time 1977. Call Xanadu. <laughs> <laughs> well, right out of the gate. <laughs> All Joe, right, Joe, your your um, your seemingly uh, endless raspiness to your voice uh, and your inflection really, you really like channeled the classic rock radio <laughs> voiceover <laughs> of 1977. I felt like I was listening to YSP or MMR. There you go. Well, that that is kind of the feel that we're going for. We had, um, you know, we've been kicking around ideas about, you know, things that we can do, um, you know, for for extra bonus episodes and things that are, you know, fun for us and hopefully fun for our listeners. And we all had really, really fond memories, I think, of doing the, the 1980 Desert Island episode. And um, it was really funny because we did that so long ago, I had no idea what the hell the rules of the game were. Yeah. So I, I, I took some time the other night and I listened to that episode and it was refreshingly wonderful. We had a really, really good time with that. But that episode was, was it was sort of created on the fly. And, and really what we were ultimately looking for even though we didn't know it when we started that episode is we were looking to force rank those albums and and i believe that was the first time we ever even talked on the palaver about force ranking anything but at at that point you know it was so late in the episode you know it wasn't it wasn't really there wasn't a point to doing that but that was the the general rule um what we did do on that record, just to sort of, um, or, or on that episode, just to sort of set the stage here, is we each gave our top album of the ones that we considered. Okay, cool. And then we we construed this desert island construct, and somehow the idea of spam got introduced, and <laughs> and what Paul was. <laughs> What Paul was suggesting was that we were on this desert island for some predetermined amount of time with an appropriate amount of spam. So we wouldn't starve, but all we would eat was was spam. And he would then (laughs) trade us one of the albums that we had in our hand for some crackers to eat with our spam. <laughs> is that true? That is that is 100% true. That is that is how it went down. So essentially what we did on the original episode was we gave our best album 
or our favorite album, our least favorite album, or the one that we were willing to trade for crackers to eat with spam. <laughs> and um, and then I think at the end, you sort of pulled out of completely thin air, um, you know, providing our favorite song from this collected group of oh. of of albums that we had. So, but but again, we were we were searching for the the idea of of force ranking. So. What I propose then is we keep the original structure whereby um, we maybe talk generally about the five albums that we're going to discuss here from 1977, and we'll get to those in just a moment. Um, we give our most favorite. We give the one that we would trade for some crackers, and then <laughs> and then we will fill in the uh, the middle of the force ranking and Ken has already put together a palaver spreadsheet so that we will have what is now sort of standard issue rankings that go with all of this and then we can provide um, our favorite song from this so I, I, wow. I you know we can sort of keep the spirit of the original but apply some of the lessons that we've learned here over the last you know several years of doing the palaver well that's just fantastic because I have to tell you that with the new enticement of crackers just changed my number five and number four albums. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we get into this, a couple of different things that I, I wanted to cover. Um, Cause there, there are a couple of, of different sort of ancillary things that, that sort of go in. But I, I guess the first thing we should do is we should talk about the five albums that we here at Progressive Palaver have identified for this exercise. That is um, Progressive Palaver, Desert Island, 1977. We have chosen five albums amongst ourselves. And in chronological order of release, those would be Pink Floyd Animals, Yes, Going for the One, Sticks, The Grand Illusion, Rush, A Farewell to Kings, and Kansas, Point of No Return. Now, yes. the, those obviously are not the only um, albums of interest to have come out that year. So, if I may, I would like to put forth a few honorable mentions that I sort of came across ah, just quickly. Nice. Um Going through this, Utopia released Ra, mm. Jethro Tull released Songs from the Wood, Peter Gabriel released Peter Gabriel 1, or Car. That's fascinating, yeah. 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 ELP released both Works 1 and 2, which I actually, I think I own Works 1. I was not aware of the the structure of that album. Are you guys aware of, of this at all? ELP um, works one and works two essentially amount to four sides of vinyl and each member gets one side of vinyl and then they have a fourth side that's like group work, which is kind cool. of interesting. Cool. cool. So I wasn't, I wasn't even aware of that. Um, Anthony Phillips released The Geese and the Ghost. I actually have that on vinyl. It's a really, really solid album. Brand X released Moroccan Roll. Yeah. Bill Bill Bruford released Feels Good to Me. 
Um, I'm not sure that I would ever put this in the progressive category, but it did come out this year. Was, and that, it, was that Bill Bruford's album that after he got the Simmons drums? He was like, nah. Hopefully not. Good. Not in 77. Um, this next record is not prog, but it, it, it did play a very significant role in my upbringing, and that is ELO's Out of the Blue. Genesis did release the live album Seconds Out, which Ooh, does, yeah. which does not you know count because it's a live album, but it it is awesome. Uh, I, as an aside, I do have my Steve Hackett Seconds Out revisited version, uh, so I'm very excited about that. Nice. Oh. And personal to me again, the Tubes released their third record now, mm. and just as a little bit of fun tie-in, the Tubes Now, which is one of their most um, experimental records, it's really far out there in a lot of ways, but I find it to be very charming and, and engaging, was produced by John Anthony, who also produced the Genesis albums Nursery Crime and Trespass. Wow. You, you did such an eloquent job of paring this down, but it is such an incredible year. Um I mean, we generally don't cover Caravan, but um, yep, better by far. Camel, Rain Dances, Gentle Giant, The Missing Piece. It's just an incredible year. And Queen, News of the World. Well, Ken, actually, there's another little piece of side information that I was going to bring in that might address some of these issues. But please continue. I mean, I, I'm just overwhelmed. Uh, the other night, I, I took a detour just like you did, and I, for the very first time, listened to Vandegraaff Generator. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Did you? It's th This is weird, but if I was stuck on a desert island, I wouldn't be disappointed with this either. That's cool. Yeah, so one of the, uh, the other thing that I found that was sort of interesting, um, just I was honestly looking for the wiki page on the timeline of progressive rock and i just put in progressive rock 1977 and google popped out at me there's a website um called album of the year and they have the best progressive rock albums of whatever year you want to look at wow and i thought well this should be interesting and so um let's let's just very i wanted to very quickly go through that because it's interesting what's on there and, and what's not and where they are at number 20 they have the journey album next with which i am not familiar mm -hmm. 19 is rainbow on stage mm. 18 is Klatu hope 17 is fm black noise wow 16 is kansas point of no return wow. 15 super tramp even in the quietest moments 14, Rush, A Farewell to Kings. Wow. Mm. 13, Yes, Going for the One. Oh, my gosh. 12, Happy the Man, Happy the Man. 11 is Emerson, Lake, and Palmer with Works Volume 1. 10 is Jethro Tull, Songs from the Wood. 9 is Pink Floyd, Animals. 8 is Peter Gabriel, Peter Gabriel. 7 is Sticks, The Grand Illusion. Six is Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, Works Volume 2. Five is Heldon, Interface. Four is Goblin with Sesperia. Three, Vandegraaff Generator with the Quiet Zone slash the Pleasure Dome. 
Two is Elloy Ocean. And number one, according to this, is the Alan Parsons Project iRobot. iRobot. That's mm. barely prog. I mean, it's, 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 it's kind of got a little bit of a techno uh, neo. It's kind of the some of the first sightings of neo prog. Yeah. Now, I have one more game to play that was part of the original. So if you will indulge me, anytime we get to do something like this, it allows me <laughs> to go to 1001, I'm sorry, the revised and updated edition of 1001 <laughs> albums you must hear before you die. So the game that we're going to play tonight, gentlemen, is you get to guess how many of these five records appear in this most sacred tome. Hmm. How many? How many? Of our? Of our five. How many of, of those five. wind up in this book? Ooh. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go wildcard. I'm going to go with a four. Okay. Kenny G? One. The answer would be zero. <laughs> wow. <laughs> None of them, which got me thinking, you know, what the hell are they interested in in 1977? Wow. Brian Eno, Kraftwerk, Billy Joel, The Stranger, Bob Marley and the Whalers. Um, the aforementioned and not included ELO out of the blue does show up here. Mm -hmm. um, Muddy Waters, The Clash's first album, two David Bowie albums. Two of the Berlin Trilogy were released in 1977. That would be Low and Heroes. Steely Dan wow. Asia, which I totally disagree with. Uh, I, I, th I think that album's pretty awesome. I, Talking I'm, Heads, Fleetwood Mac, Rumors, uh, Peter Gabriel, Car. Which, did which make Talking it. Heads album is it? Uh, Talking Heads 77. Yeah. Dennis Wilson. Uh, Freaking bat out of hell for crying out loud. That's, that's pretty a, influential. That's a classic. Elvis Costello, My Aim is True, and my least favorite of all time, the Sex Pistols. Never mind the Bullocks. Here's the Sex Pistols. So, um, as usual, the book never fails to disappoint. But it got me thinking. How did you... Do they have a special section for each year? They're, like, they're they arranged organize? chronologically. I was just going to say, I mean, that's an actual book. It doesn't have a predictive language model interface on it or anything. So what I did was I, I always <laughs> go to, I always go to the index and, you know, see if I can find the album I'm interested in, which got me thinking, all right, so what albums by these groups are in there? So I looked. Yes has three records in this book, none of which are passed close to the edge, I might add. Styx has zero. Hmm. Pink Floyd has four. Rush has two. And Kansas has zero. Brutal. What are the two Rush albums? Um, it's probably Moving Pictures. Uh, yeah, it's Moving Pictures and 2112. Yeah, that makes sense. Wow. I mean, competition's tough in this this whole decade, really. 
It, it is, but I'm, I'm sad I don't get to read any hyperbole. You know I like to read hyperbole. You could read the lyrics to any of these songs to get some hyperbole. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, um, you know, think of 1972, think of Close to the Edge, think of the dramatic beginning to Close to the Edge. In the early days of Prague, dynamics were easy to find. And these albums really smack you in the face. Like 1977 is is that farcical version of the 1970s that I've joked about here on the Palaver, where you know everything is evil Knievel. It's like it's like you got to come out punching. You know, you, you, Grand Illusion slams you in the face, going for the one. Oh my God, knocks yeah. you right over. I guess you know, with with Pigs on the Wing, Animal starts slowly. So you could call that one the the subtle artsy album of the group, um, but they, they they really didn't figure out that element of. I mean, I mean, I guess they purposely removed that element of Prague. Well, you know what's you know interesting is I think that um, I, I I listened to uh, Grand Illusion on uh, specifically on vinyl this go around, and I and I'm it's amazing to me on vinyl how quiet some of the things like the the uh, the piano on come sail away is so quiet and so uh precious if you will or or delicate so I, I i do think that some of our modern media may may be jacking that up um i mean even going for the one is tamed a little bit uh on you know on vinyl on vinyl uh although the, the you know the same parts um still get me yeah, that's still a pretty boisterous album, at least in the beginning. I mean, yeah. obviously, um, Turn of the Century and Wondrous Stories dial it back a bit, but the rest of that yeah. album is is pretty balls out. Yeah, going for the one is always hard for me because I have to determine whether I'm going to consider the entire album or, you know, just the, the three songs that I prefer. Um, <laughs> in this case, the entire album made it in. And didn't really change. All right, so wait, wait a second. Those three songs would be obviously "Awaken," "Turn of the Century," and "Wondrous Stories." Okay, nice. I'm, I'm, I'm with Ken uh, on. It's like, like uh, going for the one in parallels become like my, you know, Gates of Delirium War. They're just like <laughs> the end. Like, oh my god, the end of of uh, of going for the one is just like. It's like I feel like I feel like I get to the end of the roller coaster and I just want to rip my ears off and say like Oh my god! And the the funniest part about it is that like after all of that and it finally ends, it you know the next the next thing you hear is the beginning of 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 turn of the century. So funny! It's so funny. All right. Well, I guess my my boisterous. Uh, hypothesis stands. <laughs> so there, you know, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I've got one more note that popped up in my sort of research. It's funny because I never look at the timeline of progressive rock in Wikipedia because that's sort of you know Ken's bailiwick. But the uh, the sort of notes before and after those lists are fascinating. So one of the things that was noted for 1977 was the very very brief genesis of a supergroup called British Bulldog consisting of John Wetton, Rick Wakeman, and Bill Bruford that never lasted beyond a few rehearsals. Wow. But just imagine what might have been. 
Really? Wow. Thank yeah, you I, for doing that, Joe. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I think that um, you know, to me the thing that's striking about this, you know, like and while everybody is kind of like in your face, it, it's so it's it's so crazy how varied the sounds of these records are to one another. Yeah. And and, and I really I do think like one of the th- a couple two things that that sort of struck me I feel like every single one of these bands are, and this could be purely my, you know, my predisposition based on, you know, all of the things we always talk about with the palaver around getting into bands. But all of these bands seem to be in the zone, right? They they know who they are. They're they're really at peaks of of uh, some creative work. But but the one band to me that's still a little rough around some of the edges is Rush. Mm. And, oh um, yeah, 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 yeah. And like, but we what, knew that they were the the junior yes. I mean, they yeah. were yes fans. Like, yeah, they're, they're kids. So I mean, like they, you know, they have some. I mean, there's so many songs that uh, that that I love on a farewell to kings. But uh, it's just so funny when the song when the when the when <laughs> the album starts and yet he just starts yelling. <laughs> and you're just like, oh Jesus, here we go. <laughs> oh my God. This is not a subtle um, year, even in, in, in the top 40. I'm looking at uh, Dancing Queen, Rich Girl, and Looks Like We Made It. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Barry. Love it. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, it, it's interesting looking at these records, you know, because these are, these are bands that, I generally love, I have, we, we have never talked on the palaver about sticks, but I hold at least, uh, you know, a few sticks albums in extremely high regard. Unfortunately, all of the albums that show up on this list are not the top tier of any of these groups for me. Hmm. You know, it's, it's like, it, you know, we're talking about, you know, albums that are, you know, upper mid tier for me to depending on who we're talking about. So it's not like any one of these albums is my favorite album by that particular band. So I'm always, you know, as I was doing this exercise, I was always left a little bit wanting in a lot of Mm. regards with regards to these specific records that we have in front of us. Fascinating. And, and I think it, I think it's a great point. Curious though, around sticks I mean, many people, many Styx fans would point to the Grand Illusion as the pinnacle. I'm curious as what what you know what what Styx albums you hold above the Grand Illusion. So it's it's interesting. Um, I think I would, and I I haven't listened to it in a really long time. But my feeling after listening to this, I think I would probably put Cornerstone or paradise theater above this hmm. okay interesting that's why we need to do uh a sticks and kansas side by side um yeah that's interesting um, what what i found really interesting about the grand illusion in particular as we're talking about you know sounds and feels and whatnot is dennis de young really didn't age well for me, at least on this record. <laughs> Vocally, 
or his keyboard sounds. Both of them had me sort of climbing the walls by the time I was done. Wow. Really? Um, yeah. Which, which was, you know, disappointing. Cause again, I, 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 you know, these three records I, that I mentioned, I feel, you know, I've got really, really strong memories of, I spent a lot of time listening to them and, you know, I guess, Tommy Shaw and, and JY are just so damn cool that I, I I always, you know, I always remembered Dennis DeYoung as being sort of campy and over the top. I just didn't realize that it was that campy and over the top in the midst of, you know, this this sequence of albums. So He's so good and he's so consistent. I mean, he's all over the album, even if it's, you know, a JY song. Yeah, you still hear Dennis in the backups, uh, like everywhere. You are describing uh, Steve Walsh to a T. <laughs> so, 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 your experience with with uh, Dennis DeYoung is my experience with. I am Steve Walsh. I'm from Missouri, and I like <laughs> to do everything loud, and I like to play keyboards over top of my own singing really loudly. <laughs> oh my god. Wow. Yeah. I and, and and at the same time, like that's the, the trigger for me. So the guitar sounds and the and the uh and Steve Walsh's voice trigger the guitar sounds and Tommy Shaw it's it, and sticks in so many parts. Mm. Um you know, and I've always thought that listening to this and, and Left Overture. When I when I was going through this, I, I couldn't shake it. I was like, "Oh, this is so great! This is, yeah, it's um, and you know, I I'm you know I I am a, a Kansas novice for sure. So um, you know, going back and listening to this for a bit, you know, really uh, made me excited to do to do Kansas. And that's that's kind of in interesting, you know, when when you talk about doing them in a parallel track like we did with Fish and Peter Gabriel because, you know, one of I think when we talk about those two bands, Sticks and Kansas particularly, besides the fact that they're both American, they both feature multi multiple vocalists. Yeah. And so you have this sort of undulating, you know, surface of of what you're hearing vocally and ken you mentioned you know even if it's a if it's a james young song you've still got dennis very obviously in the background and the same thing happens um i think with kansas as people sort of move front and back and it's it, yeah. it can be kind of interesting so i i'm i'm interested i'm very intrigued by um by what you're you're suggesting here and i hadn't thought of it before now but it, it does seem to track and and they are contemporaries in in you know for the most part. Yeah, I have no idea how the discography uh, levels up, but um. Well, you can bet that I'll put that together here shortly. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's uh it's very cool. The other thing that that struck me is that you know, you know we we've marveled a lot about how like uh, in the '80s and and uh, you know even I guess yeah, mostly in the '80s and then into the '90s how prog rock bands like whether it's like asia or rush doing like power windows or you know pink floyd in the in the realm of um you know the the post waters and they, they we talk about how they are able to make 
uh, you know, four to six minute songs that are very accessible, but have all of the elements of, mm-hmm. of Prague. And I feel like in 1977, you have a couple of really cool examples of that on point of No Return and The Grand Illusion, which yeah. I think is pretty cool. If we're stuck on an album with Spam, we uh, stuck on the island with Spam, we may as well be stuck with Johnny Walker. I'm realizing that with the the number of albums that we picked, we can actually rate this episode in terms of red, black, double black, green, (laughs) gold, or blue label. Wow. You know, if we have to eat spam for an undetermined (laughs) amount of time, we may as well be drunk off our ass to do it. That's awesome. All right. So, that being said, is it time? Do we uh, should we should we put ourselves on the island and and cough up our our top? Yeah, let's do it. All right, I'll go. Mm. I'll go first. And and for me, my numbers one and two, I think, are just clearly differentiated um, from the others, and it may very well be. A maturity aspect. Just when you when you look at the the credentials of the the bands at the top two, but for me, it's got to be going for the one. Considering all of the tracks, Paul, with all due respect to everything you said, which I agree with, sometimes going for the one, the song makes me want to you know put my head through a wall, and sometimes it's just a rollicking good time. Um, yeah, it's got this, an effect. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and 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 I I I generally always enjoy parallels. I think it's it's got tremendous energy. It sounds great, and I am still stupidly juiced by the whole organ over the phone line thing. Um, but it just it sounds great. And I remember when we talked about that record. You know the. There's something about the energy of of that particular group at that time with Rick coming back in. And to me, it's just, it's a very, and, and it could very well be influenced by the, the cover art as well, right? But to me, it's just, it's a very, it's a bright, sunny day type album. It's, it's a, it's a, it's an album that makes me generally happy and I don't have to think too much about it and those songs that make me think about things are kind of good things to think about anyway so nice Um, we're doing golf scores right yes yeah okay all right so you're talking about um going for the one so you just came out of the gate with your absolute favorite album yeah oh that's the rules that's the rules yeah so not 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 red what's the top of the johnny walker scale Oh, it's got to be blue. Okay, blue then. We're going blue. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll trade the bottle of red for the crackers later on. Mm. Mm. Oh, okay, okay, okay. All right, I, I, I see here. Well, well, Joe, um, you took the wind out of my sails. While doing this exercise and listening to all of these on a streaming service side by side, the pure production value that yes brings with going for the one is notably higher 
than the junior high fans that are Rush, and uh, it's a it's a, it's a bit brighter and appealing than Animals, which is you know has always been a bit dark for me, and uh, it's in the sweet spot. Grand Illusion may win on pure production value. But I, th- I think in the balance of fun versus professionalism, I feel like Yes hits that sweet spot. Yeah. Where the, nice. the, the, the grand illusion, you know, could have been recorded to a metronome. Oh. <laughs> 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 but uh, Alan White didn't play that game, um, mm. at least not during this period. So, so I'm, I'm with, with you. There are just so many things to like about going for the one. Uh, you know, awaken primarily. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's pretty incredible. It, and it, I, we, I, I I didn't think I was going to go there when, when we as soon as you announced the, the the plan for this exercise, I was like, it has to be a farewell to kings. <laughs> and and if I'm going to be honest, you know, going for the one ekes it out. Now you had mentioned um, the production on animals, so I want to I want to talk about that just for a quick second because that was one of the things that that really sort of struck me. Do I recall correctly? And I I ran a you know I run a podcast on this. I should have remembered. Animals is the only Pink Floyd album that was ever recorded at Britannia Row, if I recall correctly. Oh, that, that is I w- correct. I was yeah. going to say it was the first one recorded there, but the I first think- and. Yeah, I think it was the only one. And I remember us having a a lot of conversation questioning the production value of um, animals overall. Yeah, I I, I broke out laughing. I I was washing the dishes, listening to dogs, and it sounds like he phoned in the first guitar solo from the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird, right? And and the the reason I bring this up and the reason specifically that I brought in the tubes now is the production on animals to me sounds a lot like the first two tubes records which were years before um, which is is not really a, a good you know point to make about something like that so yeah I, I just wanted to to you know point that out as as it came up yeah i don't i don't think i can uh disagree with uh, anything that you guys have said about going for the one um except for the fact that you don't like two of the five songs well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not that I don't like them. It's just that, you know, they, they're, they're not my favorites on, you know, but, it, it, you know, each, I, I would say all with the exception of Animals, like I pretty much like every album, every song on Animals, probably each one of these um, uh, songs or albums have, have a clunker or two for me. But like on, uh, you know, number one for me, uh, when I was moving into my uh, apartment a couple weeks ago, spent two days to just like, you know, schlaffing stuff around, going and you know, what did I forget? Oh, I got to go get this. We got to get this. Doing all that crap. Um, I didn't really have any music with me doing it, and I sang this album the entire two days. Um, and I don't even need the record with me on the on the desert island. I can just have uh, spam and four helpings of crackers, and uh, and I can just sit there and pleasantly listen to going for the one in my brain. So I'm totally with you guys. Mm. on the number one wow there we go all right filling in that little nugget yeah thank you well that was uh that was cool i love it that was anticlimactic now does does (laughs) does that mean paul that you're going to trade going for the one for crackers because you don't need it 
No. (laughs) (laughs) So we are on the desert island. We have our big pallet of spam. And and Paul Zotter walks out of the jungle with um <laughs> with a lot of crackers and says, Hey, how would you like to change up your diet? Give me one of those five albums and I'll give you these crackers. I'm fairly certain that my number five is the one that I'm going to trade for some crackers is not either of yours. Um so I if you guys don't mind, I will cough it up now and let you lambast me. And that is the aforementioned A Farewell to Kings. Um, oh. This is not, um, <laughs> you know, and, and this is what I was talking about, right? Like if we were, if we were on the desert island in 1978 and we were talking about hemispheres, we would be having an entirely different conversation. But, you know, Paul, you talk about each of these albums having a few clunkers. The problem that I have with this album is... You know, like Cygnus X One is quite frankly, in my opinion, not good. Thank you. It's just <laughs> and and it, and it's too much of the album to be that not good. And and even a farewell to Kings. You know, you sort of mentioned Getty screaming at you, and and like a farewell to Kings, I think is right on the cusp of being a really really great song, but it's not quite there. You know, the other songs on that record quite frankly, are really, really good. And I enjoy them quite a lot. Um, Xanadu is freaking off the charts, closer to the heart. I think I like Cinderella Man and and Madrigal's good. But uh, the first and last songs, I just, I, I, I struggle with, and I struggle with Cygnus X1 a lot. Yeah, A Farewell to Kings is literally the sonic shit sandwich. Uh, <laughs> actually, I guess, it's, it I guess it's, it's, it's the opposite of the shit sandwich, right? It's, it's the outside-in shit sandwich. Uh, I, I was going to say that it's so funny because it starts with the classical guitar, and, and, and it's very wonderful. But there is no transition between the acoustic part and the electric part. It's just like... yeah. Bam. Yeah, we're doing face. this now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Which kind of fits my boisterous uh premonish. Uh, yep. I'm disagreeing with you, Joe, and I'll explain why, but um to each his own. I understand. At least you justified it. All right, cool. So I I you know, it's funny, Joe, as as much I'm with you, as much as I love the inside part of that sandwich of a farewell to kings, and as ridiculous like it's like Xanadu is like it's almost like it doesn't even you know it's like it's like a singular moment in that yeah. in that record. It's so great. Farewell to Kings. Until I remembered that I was I would have to trade it for crackers. It probably was going to be in my bottom position. And and frankly, like you know, for me, it's a it's a it's just a three way tie for third place. Right? Okay, so they're they're. They're maybe a little interchangeable, and it's just a couple of things. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, I, I probably should have said this earlier because this this is what is, you know, the 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 clincher for me. The, the the like going for the one and my number two are albums that I go to anytime. They're, they're always in my head. I you know I want to I want to hear that they're you know songs from those albums. Will be on my like Spotify, uh, Spotify year end playlist, right? Mm-hmm. But the rest of the three, I really only ever listen to if I'm gonna say listen to that particular band, right? 
So, mm-hmm. so I don't, I don't, I don't generally listen to them too often. You know, all of the, uh, as much as I love every single song on this record, I would happily give away animals, uh, for, uh, some crackers really uh, to, en- to enjoy these, uh, these other four albums. Yeah. So that's number five for me. Interesting. Okay. Huh. Wow. I was not uh, expecting that. Okay. You can tell from my spreadsheet where I'm going with my trade for crackers. The album called Point of No Dynamics. <laughs> <laughs> I, and 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 I got to tell you, I've always been a fan of um Portrait He Knew. Oh uh, yeah, that's a great. Yeah. One. Yeah. Before before I knew what it was called, the individual sounds, uh, some of the distorted organs, and, and, and the way they capture the fiddle, uh, there's just so much to love in parts about Kansas. But for me in particular, I guess because I didn't grow up with it and discover it in my teen years, it's a late add-on. It's it's It's... A little odd to me just how noisy and unrelenting it is and and it was the one that i used uh you know to go for a jog but i didn't i didn't have it on just uh wandering about the house so uh yes i'm giving up kansas point of no return for crackers i will I'm going to agree with you, Ken, in the sense that Point of No Return is not the pinnacle of Kansas for the fact that certainly maybe two-thirds of the way through this record, you can I certainly can experience some fatigue. Um, this album seems a lot longer than it actually is. Mm. which is unusual. And and when you compare that to something like a left overture, which is, you know, quite frankly, the exact opposite where it seems to go much quicker than it, it actually is. Um, you, you know, I, I struggled with where to put my three and four are really close to each other. And, and I struggled with, you know, with some of that as well. So, um, you know, and, and, and as you pointed out, right, if, if this is not a band that you attached to in your formative years, um, things like that are going to stand out, I think, a lot more as you go back in and, and you're much less likely to forgive some of those sins. And Left Overture was a year prior. Yep. I mean, it's interesting how much of the subtlety of the early 70s is lost in the late 70s and and this is unfortunately a a, 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 like a microcosm of that it's very intense well and and not to not to color you or or to tip my hand but i think you're going to find that trajectory with kansas continues oh boy (laughs) not very long but it does continue oh interesting all right well thank you for the uh, heads up and that's uh, that's terrific perspective, I think, because you know my my Kansas is basically point of no return, left overture, and uh, the best of or what, greatest hits, whatever whatever mm-hmm. that's called. 
the tape that you made me in yeah. in college. Um, and so I I uh, will find it very interesting to to enjoy some of the the earlier uh, Kansas that that leads up to this point of no return for me. It's it's just like um the song point of no return is just i mean isn't it just the fucking greatest yeah it is I mean, pretty great it's pretty great the fucking yeah. vocals and the oh and the, yeah the violin and the key i mean it's just yeah it's, it's amazing it's it's three minutes longer <laughs> oh yeah. gosh yeah yeah it's 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 wonderful and and, um, and i think we have to um you know we have to call out and and obviously, you know, when we, we, we do the segment on Kansas potentially slash Kansas or potentially Kansas slash sticks, we'll we'll call this out. But I mean you can't help but come across uh the fact because any anytime anyone mentions this record, someone's going to mention the fact that Steve Walsh quit the band in the middle of recording this record. And I mean, this record was recorded in July of seventy seven and released in October. Wow. I mean, that's just mind-boggling. But but by his own admission, um, you know, Steve Walsh was was full of himself at the time. Yeah. Um, I mean, at that point, he was, like, at the front of the stage in, like, nothing but, like, like uh, basketball shorts. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's got um, he's, he's got a solo record that I bought that I think came out around this time. I don't know exactly what the year is. I, I should have done my research and looked into that. Um, but it, it's got a, it's sort of a, a painting or a drawing of Steve in that sort of outfit, which is oh, wow. terrifying, very off putting, um, with regards to, to a record. Now he, but, but the record's not the band, that bad. Right. He what? joined back with Kansas at some point, didn't he not? Yes. Yes, he did. Okay. I, Cause um, I want to say when I saw them open for yes with the masterworks tour i'm pretty sure he was yes he was, he, he was back okay. by that point yeah um so so that wasn't bad and i want to say ken was this also around the time that he and a couple other members of kansas were showing up on steve hackett records oh i did see that yes yes i, I saw where steve walsh uh did show up on the uh, oh, i forget which one but yeah he was on it steve hackett right yeah he was definitely branching out by that point yep well, Joe, I would not have been the person to have said, well, you know, Steve Walsh left the band while they were recording that. <laughs> um, I would not have been that person. But after tonight, it's going to be my goal to mention that every Kansas episode that, okay. we, that we do. Is is that going to be our um, Sid Barrett mantra for Kansas? Yes. <laughs> Well, you know, um, Sid Barrett's <laughs> influence on animals is really pretty, uh, pretty severe. <laughs> All right, so we have, um, so we have, we've declared our true love. We have traded away our Johnny Walker Red, if I have that yeah. right, yeah. for some crackers to go with our spam, and now we can fill in the middle part of hopefully what is not a shit sandwich, because I think all these records, you know, and, and again, when we pick these, these records, these are albums that we generally like. It's not like yeah. one of these is a, uh. is a complete pile of, of dog crap. Um, and, and even, you know, what I said about a farewell to Kings, I mean, you know, it's still freaking rush and it's, yeah, exactly. you know, I'm, 
uh, that hopefully that is all understood. This is like the Highlander of prog rock. There can only be one. And funny you should mention that, Paul, because in the original episode you invoked the Highlander. Um, oh, so when, when when you declared that we should go Highlander on this, and there should only be one, and that's how we got to to give our uh, our favorite. Oh, Jesus, that's hysterical. Except what happened in that particular episode, and Tom was with us, we each picked a different number one. Wow, that's crazy. So there there was no no ultimate decision, which is well, why we now have the spreadsheets. I'm, I'm glad that we have the, the palaver to uh, publicly document the absence of growth in my emotional state over the last uh, several years. <laughs> I, uh, I I don't know if I would I would describe it that way, Paul. Um, all right. So if you want, I can just fill in then my two, three, and four, and and we can we can have this on record. So my number two is the one that Paul's going to give away. Animals. I think um, the core sequence of Pink Floyd albums are, for the most part, utterly sublime. Um, Animals does suffer from what we talked about with regards of the production. And given my current mindset, there's just a teensy wit bit too much of Roger Waters for my taste today. Mm. Um, oh, but it's good. good it, it, it is good, but fuck Roger Waters. I want to <laughs> just put that out there. You know, he's not the only uh, angry old man running around here. Uh, and, um. But, I mean, there's there's so much other good stuff going on there. I have Point of No Return at number three. Um, you know, and again, this the reason I have Point of No Return at number three is because I don't have the Grand Illusion at number three. Uh, Grand Illusion almost snuck in there um, until, like I said, I, I had this sort of allergic reaction to Dennis DeYoung and all of his forms hmm. um, on the Grand Illusion. But, the, I mean, and, and it could just be, uh, at this point, familiarity, because I have been behind the scenes dabbling in Kansas for over a year, thinking that we were going to get to that segment any day now, which, of course, we <laughs> haven't done. <laughs> and... Um, so I've, I've, I've been listening to a lot of Kansas. I have not been listening to a lot of sticks. And so, you know, that was sort of a, a, a late bolt on that I, I just, I wasn't as familiar with. I will say though, Point of No Return, I think easily has the best album cover art of any of these uh, five. When I was, when, when I was a kid, cause my, my oldest brother, Len obviously had this record and, and, we would um, bring albums back and forth when we go to my father's on the weekends and everything else. And, and I have very clear memories of listening to this a lot as a kid and just staring at the front and back album art on this cover. And it's just, you know, and, and as I get older, it, it still captivates me to this day. And I just absolutely love it. Yes, even I did not grow up on it, but I... Do appreciate that album art. I mean, it's it's really amazing that you said it. It took them three months to record it. Yeah, it, I mean, it's amazing three months to record and produce the thing. Yeah, it's amazing that. I mean, I mean, did they have that artwork already, or I mean, I, how I, did they? How did Jesus? I I, I, mean, I, I I've been I've literally been trying to get artwork for a single for <laughs> a year. Of course, I I don't have probably all of the many. 
avenues at my disposal. Nonetheless. Okay. So, Joe, your your middle three. Number four was was Grand Illusion. That is correct. Explained why your, your number three was animals. No, uh, two is animals. Three is point of no return. Oh, oh, there we go. Very good. Very good. I'll I'll have to go here. So. Joe, you and I only aligned on the first one, and then we deviated and did not intersect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. We, we agreed on our number four, The Grand Illusion. Um, uh, and it's incredibly good. I mean, oh, I, yeah. I, just, I just can't believe. Yeah. I just can't believe how good it is. If, if anything, sticks. I mentioned the metronome comment, and Sticks is is kind of a manufactured band. I mean, they were all brought in from different parts of the country to be a supergroup, and 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 God, I love Tommy Shaw, and I'm really impressed by Dennis DeYoung. They're just so good. But you know, just in total, I just it wasn't what I was you know really looking for in my prog album, so I gave it a number four. Um, Animals, I gave it uh, a number three, getting closer to what I like. And number two, oh my God, was almost my number one. I mean, Farewell to Kings has Xanadu. I mean, if I'm stuck on a, a desert island, that song alone would sustain me. <laughs> Foreshadowing. I like major chords. Can't, uh, <laughs> can't argue with you there. I will point out one of the interesting things that I did come across um, in preparing for this episode and I would have never in a million years have thought this, but Tommy Shaw wrote Angry Young Man about Dennis DeYoung, which I've always sort of in my brain pictured Dennis DeYoung as sort of the old codger of the group and Tommy Shaw as being the young man. So I just, yeah. I'm, I'm amused by that story. This is great. I'm getting more sticks lore than, I, uh, than I've had since eighth grade. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought they were all from Chicago. I didn't realize they were brought in from all over the, the country. To well, Tommy Shaw was from the, the Midwest somewhere. Uh, yeah, he, he, he was a late addition to the group, and he was yeah. auditioned yeah. in, and they're like, oh, we need a hot kid. To, he was kind of the Trevor Rabin of sticks. Yeah, I think he was, he was like playing at a bowling alley or some shit like that. I thought it, I thought it was in uh, Illinois. I could be wrong. Uh, maybe. Um, oh, 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 yeah. The, the, the brothers, the whole thing of, of sticks was, was, yeah, definitely, uh, like an Illinois thing. Uh, you, you're, you're right there, but yeah, he was a late addition. I mean, they're awesome. I don't, I don't want to put them down, but compared yeah. to these, these other bands, it's kind of a, a manufactured thing. It's such a fucking great album though. And when they recap the whole grand illusion thing at the end. Yeah. Recap, that's, that's yeah. like totally oh yeah 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 i i i, I melt and uh, did you go to homedale to see sticks paul did you make it to that show I'd never i never made it to that show oh because i went to the one in in camden and oh my god lawrence gowan never stops he oh, is yeah. he is amazing doing the role of dennis de young i mean he he plays the keyboard from the wrong side he plays it from underneath he sings like a motherfucker he never stops I mean, we were laughing because he was the Energizer Bunny, but I mean, he was so fucking good. And Tommy Shaw at this age is just as fucking good as he was in Damn Yankees. I mean, he hasn't lost mm. a note. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. Well, for all those reasons and more, um, 
you know, one being that, you know, this, this, this album was one of those vinyl experiences I had, you know, picking it out of my sister's collection and, you know, listening to it and, and my mind just kind of being blown away when I was in middle school. Um, the Grand Illusion is my number two in mm. this, uh, in this Sweet. setup. Sweet. Yeah. And then, you know, three and four, you know, this is a, this was a fun, <laughs> this was a fun, uh, well, I mean, really, Farewell to Kings is ranking very low, uh, simply uh, because of all the points I've deducted for Cygnus X1. <laughs> I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Joe. That, that, that song, it, it boggles my mind that one of my favorite pieces of music from Rush, which is side one of Hemispheres, is the sequel right. to, to that. I'm, sh I'm sure we talked about that in an episode. Is there is there a, a movie that's like that? Is it Mad Max versus? Yeah, is Mad that, Max is is, is, is kind of crap, and then the Road Warrior is brilliant. That's it, right? So uh, it's a uh, it's it's amazing to me. So so the th the three minute brilliance of Point of No Return um, wins out over the just the the lengthy difficult chore of Cygnus X1 and so point of no return number three farewell to a farewell to kings number four are, are, are there places in Cygnus X1 that sound like a warm-up to La Via Strangiato Ooh, yeah I'm I'll I'd buy that for a dollar yeah okay okay I, and and it's funny that you say that because when I this go around when I listen to Cygnus, Cygnus X one the one time that I forced myself to listen to it, it very much reminded me of the the you know the practice for the masterpiece right kind of thing. Yeah, so, yeah the, the sketch, that. if you will. That's it, the sketch. Yes, with absolutely no connective tissue. Which I mean, they you really <laughs> do that. So uh, you know the Brandywine River Museum. Yeah, they just opened up a new exhibit, and you know they put all these new paintings that were never displayed before i, I want to say by nc wyeth i could be wrong I, I always get the wyeth characters confused but and as we're walking around we're looking at them you know some of them are really really amazing but they always include the sketches mm. and i'm like I, I don't think they ever wanted anybody to see the sketches you know leave the <laughs> sketches behind it's like it's like it's almost like the bonus disc that that oh, you know people put out here like are the it's, here are the demos it's like the end of a fish album Wow. <laughs> Jeez, didn't expect that one. Shots fired. We love our Derek Dick. That's fascinating. So just to recap here, Paul, you've got your number two is Grand Illusion. Your number three was Point of No Return. And your number four was A Farewell to Kings. And you already traded your animals for crackers. <laughs> I, I can't say enough about Xanadu. I mean, just just be, because it was on exit stage left, it is burned into my mind. Uh, it has every flavor of major courting that I could ever want. And it starts slow prog. It's kind of got like the close to the edge beginning. Yeah. And it just reels me in. And some of those phrases are just etched into my mind. And it's just got the right amount of concept, you know, this secret, seek this 
sacred river out from walk the caves of ice it's it's very illustrative mm. uh and oh my god and the sounds the percussion the um uh just the bell i i, I don't even know what at, at his point in his career what neil had back there behind his kit but it, it was just inc incredible so so segueing to the next part of our exercise, my favorite song is Xanadu. I'm curious what you guys pick. Nice, Ken. Well, I, you know, I started down the same battle that I had uh, previous weeks where I thought, you know, could my favorite song of all time not be my favorite song from 1977? <laughs> um, but, but that didn't last very long. Uh, Awaken is my, my favorite song from all of these, which it, with a very close second to uh fool on yourself angry young man really interesting oh yeah oh that fucking song is like like uh, you know like i said vinyl middle school just mm. Mm. I, i'm i'm going to agree with ken i think xanadu is transportive and, and that's not to say that awaken isn't uh, we just did an entire freaking episode on Awaken. Awaken obviously is exceptionally important in any number of ways. But if I'm stuck on a desert island, honestly, I think I'm going to have a hell of a lot more fun singing Xanadu huh. than I am going to have singing Awaken. And, and I say that... <laughs> <laughs> as you're standing on the top of a rock sunburn holding an empty can of spam screaming out i have dined on honeydew exactly <laughs> see <laughs> you see my vision paul you're feeling me oh man i think the johnny walker red's kicking in <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, I, I, you know, it, it was, it was a close call because I started immediately with like with you, Paul, it's like, well, it's gotta be awakened, doesn't it? And then I listened to Xanadu a couple of times and I'm like, yeah, no, not, not in this particular <laughs> case. It's, it's gotta nice. be Xanadu. Um, there's, and, and it's so funny, right? Because, because we just spent, you know, a good de decent amount of time crapping all over Cygnus X1. So how you have <laughs> like one of the best Rush songs ever. And like one of, I don't know, maybe Cygnus is one of the worst, but on the same yeah. record, it's just mind boggling. Yeah. Joe's like, here, um, can I have uh, five of the four crackers if you <laughs> give me Xanadu? Okay. <laughs> can I have can the I single version of Xanadu? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Well, Joe, that's fantastic. Th th this episode is the most we've ever agreed. I know. There you go. <laughs> 1977. Ah uh, yes, there. back when we were all seven years old. <laughs> oh my gosh, I was. I wonder if I was even allowed to ride the riding a lawnmower by then when I was seven. By by myself. What grade were we in 1977? What were we? Oh hell, hell no! Yeah, I was yeah, not riding second the grade, mower. something like that. Yeah, I wasn't riding the mower myself. Yeah, never mind. I don't even think I was living in Pennsylvania yet. I don't even think I was allowed to run the stereo by myself at that age. <laughs> I Much think that may have been the year my family got a microwave, though. Ooh. Yeah. So, and 
you know, again, I, I love this exercise because it's, it's sort of a, it gives us an opportunity to consider these records in a slightly different context. Um, that's one of the things that we've, you know, we've come across, right? When we do one of our normal segments and you go from the very beginning to, you know, some point down the road, whether it's the end or in the middle or whatever, um, you know, it, it does allow us as podcasters to create and a certain narrative and un understand and recognize certain trends and things of that nature, which I think, you know, as part of our core mission is very, very important. But it is, we have learned from doing other episodes like the, um, the Awaken and the Supper's Ready episode that, that when you pull these, these songs or these albums out of that temporal context and you you mix up the way you're looking at them you can get a wholly different understanding or or of of the record in question that doesn't invalidate what we find in our regular segment but it, it is fun to sort of do this so um I'm, I'm really glad so so ken what's the uh what's the spreadsheet telling us in terms of the the final order for these albums in, in do we have uh, the one single survivor, the Highlander. Um, you know, Paul. Paul goes from Highlander to Rav Four. If you get the pun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Got to got to change that battery, Paul. All right. So we've got a tie in, in the. Um, of course, we do. In the crackers category. Um. It would appear that with 11 points each, we have Point of No Return and A Farewell to Kings. Okay. And and I, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. I mean, you know, uh, uh, they're both really incredible albums. It just came down to personal preference for me. Uh, did, did we get did we get a, a ranking from Tom? We did not. Well, no. Uh, no. no. Okay. I, I, I left his column there because, you know, maybe he'll phone it in later. Gotcha. Um, we, we, we always keep a spot warm at the Palaver. <laughs> Should we text him and see <laughs> tell us what's his favorite and what's his worst? Well, tell yeah, you, yeah, tell yeah, your yeah. mom hi. <laughs> give us your list. <laughs> you did that once before. I, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't put it past you again. So we do need a tiebreaker to Tom, for Tom to decide between Point of No Return and a Farewell to Kings. Um, he might have to think about that, though. The Grand Illusion eked out ahead of these two. Uh, so, so, so that's clearly in third place. Oh, no, I'm sorry. We have another tie. Oh, oh no. The Grand Illusion is tied with animals. Get out of town. And, and, and the clear winner wow. is, is going for the one by far. Well, because we actually all three agreed on that. So excellent and you know i think i think those results pass the smell test i'm totally happy with with that outcome honestly yeah I, I would be curious to see how tom's input would change that dynamic a little bit um my ability to accurately predict tom's ranking is woefully bad likewise yeah, yeah. but I, I i mean my money would be on a farewell to king's uh Becoming elevated and oh yeah, yeah. I think he likes animals. Animals yeah. has some great sections. 
some great melodies. Yeah, yeah, it really does. Yeah, you know, it's funny. This is exactly how I kind of was thinking about this collection. You know, there's a number one, and then really, you know, for me, there's a number two, but it's really a a, a very close race after that. So this seems right. Awesome. Boy, it seems like that was too quick. Man, it feels like we should talk longer. Um, no, I think I think an hour and a half of raw footage is probably spot on. Oh, <laughs> oh see, I really like these episodes when you give me two months to prepare, and then I've like saturated myself with it. The, the, the uh, what was it? 1980 that yeah. we marinated in for yep. what yeah. felt like six months. I mean, that was such a great experience going between the, the yes and the Genesis and that whole package there. Well, like I said, I can, uh, I can give you guys the lists for 1989 and 1994 if you're interested. And we can marinate on those and run those through. Absolutely. Let's do it. Absolutely. All right. Cool. And then maybe we'll think about starting our Kansas sticks. Yeah. Well, that all being said, I think for this 1977 version of the Desert Island, you know, I'm, I'm very pleased because I think, I hope we captured the spirit of the original, which was created on the fly and at the same time have applied you know, all of the sort of tricks of the trade that we have have learned along the way. And I'm, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm completely satisfied with the outcome of this discussion. Yes, indeed. Any closing thoughts, gentlemen? I said Xanadu first. <laughs> yes. Yes, you did, Ken. <laughs> you definitely win that one. All right. So that being said, um, I can, I can, hear the 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 rescue planes um coming in ready to drop off some non-spam supplies and mark our location for pickup by sea which means we will be able to uh get on our our merry way back to civilization and we will reconvene um the next time we're stuck on a desert island so thanks gentlemen cheers cheers We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Progressive Palaver. As always, we've enjoyed sharing the conversation with you, and we look forward to your thoughts, comments, feedback, and questions. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We are at ProgPala on all of those, or search for Progressive Palaver. You're welcome to email us. Our email address is progpala, that's P-R-O-G-P-A-L-A, at gmail.com. Progressive Palaver is available for a subscription and download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or presumably wherever you find your podcasts. And we are, as always, hosted on SoundCloud. So until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>